Emirates are bringing the other side of the world closer to home with daily flights from London Stansted. Starting the 8th of June, you'll be able to fly from London Stansted all the way to Dubai and on to over 150 destinations worldwide, making getting from your home to the other side of the world much simpler. Fly Emirates from London Stansted and discover the other side of the world. Hey there, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's episode where we cover Machia, When the Promised Flower Blooms, which will be getting a limited release in the U.S. starting July 20th. Eleven Arts Anime Studios has given our loyal listeners and followers a chance to win a special Machia poster signed by the film's director, Mario Kata. If you're interested in entering, please send us a picture of your movie ticket to contests at animationforadults.com. The last day of submission will be August 1st. We will then select one lucky ticket and reach out to the winner for a mailing address. Best of luck to all participants and enjoy the movie. Hello and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. My name is Rachel, and I'll be your host today, and joining me today are my two best anime buddies, Chris and Dan. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, hey. Rachel. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure, as always. All right. Well, then, also, thank you to our listeners for joining us for this very special episode. We're really excited to start talking about our today's topic, since today's episode is a film that has had our interest for a little while. Um, and it's the directorial debut of the famed anime writer Mari Okada, and the film is titled Makia When the Promised Flower Blooms. Uh, I do want to throw out a big thank you to our friends at Eleven Arts Anime Studio, who had given us all a chance to see the film early, just before it was released, so we could have a chance to talk about it today. Uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to see the film yet, well, don't worry, we're not going to go into any spoilers right away, we're just going to give our initial impressions of the film um, before we go into a bit more detail. So we'll throw up a little spoiler warning uh, when we're going to get into that detail. So just listen for that when you're listening to this episode. And when we get there, go and see the film and then come back. Or if you've already seen the film, then just stick around and we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. So let's get started. Um, in regards to this particular film, I know the, one of the biggest excitement, the biggest excitement surrounding this movie is the fact that this was the directorial debut of Mari Okada. Ma- meh, Mari Okada. I'm speaking too fast and getting her name wrong. I am sorry. Um, but uh, she has written quite a few, like, uh, been a writer for many different anime projects. I know a few that I have seen myself have been um, Toradora, which is a very uh, well-regarded uh, romance anime as well as a bit more of a sentimental uh, slice of life uh, supernatural series that has uh, got a big reputation called Anohana. Um, so this was her first direct, her first time actually directing a, a full movie, and uh, the animation was made by the PA Works Studios. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. people, yeah, the same people who have uh, done another, uh, plenty of different uh, really beautiful different anime shows. I know one of my personal favorites our recent, in recent years was uh, Kuro Mukuro. And uh, they really have a good good knack of like doing some great background drawings or back- backgrounds to the characters and just really beautiful, beautiful stuff. And so they both, Mari and PA Works, kind of teamed up to make this film. And it is when now we have seen it. And 
I'm going to throw the ball to you first, Chris. Uh, what did you think oh. of Machia? Uh, I was actually, I'm just looking up to see yeah. Murray Murray yeah. Okada's uh, filmography because I was thinking, I haven't, I, the anime that I've seen having uh, referred to as her having written, none of them were particularly familiar to me. Oh, okay. uh, so I thought, oh, this is maybe my first time uh, with any of her work. But I'm just looking it up, and I realised okay. that uh, she actually wrote a screenplay for Lupin the Third, a woman mm-hmm. called Yukiko Mine, which was awesome. So I have seen that. Um, I also saw that, uh, yeah, Tor- Toridora. You mentioned yeah, Toridora. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen Anohana. Um, seen any of her porn? Any of her porn? Now that, <laughs> that was, I did not know about no. that. Uh, she 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 started off uh, writing pornography movies. Wow! Oh well, she wrote. The more you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that means like animated or live action, but Ooh, no. uh, yeah. Wow! Well, I missed it. I found that out during my uh, my light peppering of research. Into oh my gosh! Oh, Fate Stay Night. She wrote as well. Uh, yes, maybe yep. that might. I've seen. I think the original anime that I got I uh, I was uh, signed that to review at some point oh sorry this is really interesting me just scrolling through IMDB and seeing which ones I was well no I mean, it's, it's <laughs> good to have a, a more complete list so if people who may not be as familiar with her work might know where to find it if you know if they're not looking for pornography if they're looking for <laughs> anime shows I, I, yeah it's I think not it... listed on IMDB I'll tell you that <laughs> I think it is interesting to hear what you've seen and what you haven't because I think that can sometimes uh, affect your opinion of mm-hmm. the film going in mm-hmm. yeah, blind. Sure. You know, if if you're predisposed to like someone someone's work, mm-hmm. you might yeah. be like overly forgiving of you know when they go off the rails or something. That's fair. That's fair. And also, she does have an upcoming ser- series on Netflix that I'm looking forward to. I've only just had, found out about last week, but it looks cool. It's called Dragon Pilot. And it seems to be oh, about yeah. it seems to be about cute girls who pilot robotic dragons, and that just I, sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one too. It, lo- it looks adorable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. So I did not have expectations based on uh, um, my personal history with her, mm-hmm. particularly. Mm-hmm. I've just seen that she was a acclaimed writer, or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was um in. I was also pleased to see, you know, another woman directing an anime film. It's not that common still. Yeah. Um, After um, Silent Voice was obviously one of the most um, prominent recent, but you can't think of that many others. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I saw the trailers and they look pretty. So I was, that was basically what was going in with it. And read the um, synopsis and everything when I was covering it on the site, and I thought oh, this seems interesting, and it's very pretty. I could say that. <laughs> yeah, it is very pretty. Feels um, a butt coming. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I feel like I'd be. I no, no. <laughs> what? I, no. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm being expected to come up with some controversial opinion when no, I'm not really no, I, I did like it I like I like the film I just um I've seen people say that 
that they had a very strong emotional reaction to it is all. Mm. And I didn't particularly have a particularly strong emotional attachment, I mean, reaction to it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very pretty. Some interesting ideas. But I would, you know, I on first watch, it didn't majorly emotionally affect me, is is all I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. No, and that's, I know. That's, that's good. Thanks, thanks I, for being honest. I may be in the minority there. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Okay. Is there something wrong with me? No, there's not. <laughs> no, no. Because yeah. I had, I had very positive things from the uh, respected British film critic Mark Kermode. He he was saying very nice things about it recently because it um it had a few screenings in the UK as well um mm-hmm. via Anime Limited earlier this month. So yeah, but it's very pretty. I like the world that it's created. Um, there's yeah some beautiful like European based um <laughs> locations mm-hmm. you know fantasy J- japanese european yeah <laughs> to see oh, we'll get into that we'll, we'll get into it's, that we'll get into that those two, thing, two things collide <laughs> i'm really i'm really intrigued where this is gonna go now because <laughs> yeah me too, me too. yeah i uh, yeah it's a, it, I, yeah 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 okay. this, this, this is like one of these cases where i'm, like, I'm not quite sure what i'm gonna to have to say so it's going to be one of the cases i'm going to be bouncing off probably what you guys have got to say i think i'm probably going to be on the same side of the fence as you about it Chris. Uh, oh <laughs> we just okay. okay so we'll throw the ball to you dan how about you you're you're roughly in the same area you said i literally finished watching this film like three hours ago so i can't i, I usually i like to sleep on a film mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, sleep on a phone. You know what I mean? Like, s- s- just let it digest a little bit. Yeah. Especially yeah. with, uh, so like going in, I, I'm I'm not familiar with um, uh, blah, 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 what's she called? Mario Carter's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch a little bit of Anna Hannah earlier this year. Okay. <laughs> I did watch some of her pornography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, like you gotta you contextualize her career. Go do yeah. your research. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, just not in the library. Uh, yeah, on school holidays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can delete that bit if you want. That, that's fine. That's fine. Or, or you know, make a you know remix the song and you know. Just, <laughs> Double it, and anyway, um, yeah. So I saw a little bit of Anna Hannah, and basically my reaction to Anna Hannah was, "This is really, really upsetting." Um, and also I hated the uh, main character, uh, the, the ghost. Uh, oh, the ghost girl for Anna Hannah, yeah, because it felt like if someone walked in on me watching it they would think that it was like some you know like etchy kind of uh uh teenage boy fantasy thing basically mm-hmm. because she was like i think she was meant to be 17 but she looked like a 12 year old or something like that you know pro- already problematic and she just had like that really typical like if you were doing a bad parody of anime she would probably have this voice like a really, yeah, really high-pitched, squeaky, overly emotional kind of 
like submissive sounding about a lot of things very jumpy you know mm-hmm. it's anime stereotype girl yeah. anyway um so that was all i knew of her work and going in i didn't know anything about macri either i didn't read any um synopses or anything like that mm-hmm. so i had no idea what i was in for and i honestly felt for the first like 20 minutes is this based on a video game that I've not played? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was like, there's lots of like rules about the world and like they seem to like live in this castle and it didn't really explain anything. And mm. it, was, it, it was like there were these kind of half rules being set up and I was like, um, is this not a video game adaptation in some, in some fashion, like a spin-off or something? Mm. Or a light um, novel. Yeah, some kind of like Theory. like something has come from yeah. this. Like you should yeah. expect yeah. to know what what ha- what all is that they're talking about. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Basically, I think for the first for nearly forty minutes, I was pretty not in it. I mm-hmm. it took me a long time to like get in it. Mm-hmm. Um. But by the time the dramatic uh, but by the time the relationships were kind of cooking in the film, yeah, I was really impressed dramatically with what was going on. It felt like, you know, they'd really sh- the the work had been done on the characters and the the, the all of the the um, conflicts and relationships and little subtle things were starting to pay off in a really interesting way Mm -hmm. and by the end I must admit like it didn't I don't know why this is like any kind of value judgment or anything it's not meant to be it didn't make me cry Mm. if anything I had the same kind of reaction to it as you would like a Stanley Kubrick film Okay, I felt or like sometimes when you're watching I don't know if, if like you guys are familiar with Shakespeare. Like it's very exciting, but I don't think I've ever been brought to tears by Shakespeare. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it's like it's high like melodrama, and you're like, wow, this is. I can really feel for this person, and you know, you feel like you know the characters, but not in the same way that you just like forehead over heels for, uh, you know. Woody and Buzz. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're not your friends. You're watching people. Um, <laughs> Woody, Woody and Buzz are my friends. They um, are. They are. They're yeah, so, 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 yeah, like, my immediate reaction was, huh, that was far more interesting than I ever expected it to be. Mm-hmm. It did a few things that I wasn't a massive fan of. Okay. Um, but they are minor things. I felt like the drama, because first and foremost, mm-hmm. Okada is a writer. Yeah. And I didn't know that until after watching the film that she had only written it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had written it, you know, that she, had, she hadn't only written it, but that she was a writer previously. Uh, and this her sort of featured directorial debut. Because a lot of the directing felt quite stately. Right, um, right. It's very sort of like, um, 
well behaved and then it made sense to me once the credits started seeing that it was storyboarded by i think six people yeah following her script and the script is very because usually to get into a little bit about like how anime is made um usually it's not common for a director to not do the storyboard Mm -hmm. um it happens um particularly in tv a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um but usually when you're talking about like an auteur like a writer director uh you know like uh satoshi kon or miyazaki or um uh naoko yamada is a good Mm -hmm. example Mm -hmm. they're usually doing the script and the storyboard and everything is going through them and it's it's in a way i think it's sometimes a little bit of a messier situation because the script is still in flux particularly on like miyazaki or um soda movies definitely Mm, script's kind of in flux and i think that macria has a really good structure um that felt very uh, kind of typical in a good, not in a good or bad way, of screenwriting. Mm-hmm. The peaks and troughs felt not predictable, but familiar. Um, yeah, like it, it, it uh, flowed from one thing to the other to the other, and it felt it felt like it had a purpose. Yeah, but I thought it was actually quite clever because it did set up things in a way that I didn't realize were setups. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to give it that credit. Definitely. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, think, I think the only really honest reaction I can give is it surprised me. <laughs> um, and I think I liked it. Uh, I, I, de- I definitely, going in, my main, uh, my main uh, pull with the movie was definitely that it was um, not to go to, uh, do you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that for later. Okay. That's I fair. think we should talk about the movie. Uh, that's fair. And I will yeah. say this. Um, yeah. I've, I've had a chance to watch the movie twice now. Um, I will definitely agree with both of you that after that first viewing, my reaction was very similar, if not exactly like both of your reactions. Mm-hmm. To, the, I, to the degree where, yeah, the beginning, uh, Dan, really had, like, they were throwing a lot of, yeah, a lot of rules at you, a lot of things like, oh, you know, this is the clan of the separated. This is how these are who these people are, etc. You know, they live long lives. Just like it just kind of jumps yeah. in. Yeah, it, it just kind in. of jumps. In. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like, I actually, I was enjoying that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and then they I, spoiled I, it. I was, I was sitting there thinking, you know what? This is really cool. The way it's just, it's just um, not spelling things out. You're just in. Sometimes it's really mm-hmm. like, oh, here's a fantasy mm-hmm. world. Here's what's happening, but we're not going to spell it out. You you pick it up as you go along, and then as soon as I thought that, then there was a really clunky bit where there was a bunch of people standing around. As you know, our big dragony things, bloody bloody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to yeah. the, we'll get to those guys. Those guys are um, not my well, favorite type of part of the movie, but we'll we'll get to them. But um, Chris, yeah. you know you're you're right. I think that that was what threw me off. There was a weird mix of yeah. of this is smart storytelling, pick it up, you're, you're filling the blanks. And as you're saying, like really clunky, as you know. As you know, my sister. As... <laughs> but I felt like that came yeah. before the moment where 
the film put forth a good argument for why you should give a shit. Yeah. Like, why you should care about the characters. I felt like they were explaining, like, well, you know, we create, we, we, we do everything with these looms. And it's like, mm-hmm. hang on, hang on. Like, but what do you do with these looms? What do you do? Back up. That was why I felt it was like a video game, because I was like, this stuff is like being given precedence over who the characters are. Mm-hmm. And still, I, I did write notes as I was watching the movie, and still, like, nearly 40 minutes in, I was kind of frustrated mm-hmm. that I didn't know who Maclea was. Mm. She's the main character, and we were following her, but I felt like she was almost kind of similar to that Anna Hannah thing. Yeah, the Anna Hannah girl. She was just like this perfectly, like, doll faced girl who was kind of a. I frankly thought she was a massive pushover and I didn't like her. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely how she starts out for sure. Um, and I realise now that that was, that was good old screenwriting, like working its magic on me because I was getting, you know, fired up. And I, I thought I was getting fired up because she was being written badly, but actually it was kind of intentional, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Because I, I was roughly in a similar like, like, come on, come on, you've got you've got a baby in your hands. Take care of the gosh darn baby. But it's like, oh, geez, that's the whole point of the movie is we're figuring it out. We're doing this step by step. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely one of those films. Like after the first viewing, I really just kind of had to sit and mm-hmm. digest the experience because it's just like I, I. But the thing, the funny thing was, is that even after that first viewing, it's like I still kept working it through my head like okay what was this mean or what did that mean or mm-hmm. what was the whole point of the entire experience and then it's just the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm realizing okay maybe this is really sticking with me more than I expected it to and to the point where I'm watching yeah. in on the second viewing because I have all that information now at least the information that that spoon feeds spoon feeds you throughout the experience watching the beginning again with that context is actually a little bit better that's kind of why I, f- that might be why I felt like it was similar to watching a Stanley Kubrick film. I know that's incredibly high praise, but his films on <laughs> yeah, the I'm first sure it's watch. Yeah, that's worthy of that, worthy of that necessarily, but for sure. On the first watch, definitely, his movies appear to be one thing. And then when you return to them with the bank of knowledge that they gave you on the first watch, mm-hmm. things start to click and fall into place. Mm-hmm. And then, like, by the third, uh, uh, for example, um, Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. I didn't like the first time I watched it at all. Mm-hmm. And then almost in a bloody-minded way, the second time I watched it, I was like, no, you bastard, I'm going to watch you and I'm going to feel you out. And then, by the third, <laughs> and then by the third time, I actually enjoyed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that's why... I feel like my reaction is a positive one, even if I'm not saying I love the movie. Yeah. Because I'm definitely curious and hungry to watch it again mm-hmm. with the knowledge of itself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say this in regards to the whole theme, because the theme of the film, uh, most people who have already uh, researched into the film already know this, but um for the people who don't know, that they're the big theme of the film is motherhood. And while I can't say that this is my all-time favorite interpretation of 
what motherhood is, I would direct you to um, Wolf Children for that. But still, mm. I like the unique uh, take that Mario Kata chose to examine this particular type of relationship, at least with throwing a unique twist in the fact that what if this person who was, you know, who is acting as a mother to another person does not age or does not age very fast. Yeah, I, I feel like we haven't, we should probably... Does that count as a spoiler? No, I, I think... No, we, that, that's, that's, in, no. that's in the description of the film. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. see... Yeah, I see, was think I was just about to okay. say that. I, I feel like we have a, you know, peop, if people are coming to this without actually knowing anything about the film, perhaps we should tell them, <laughs> you know, basically what it's about that is very fair um let me see if i can get an episode description up here because i or not episode description film description lay the carpet down yeah because i definitely i definitely went in very blind and Mm. i'm glad that i did but i was playing catch up it felt for a while in a good way Uh, definitely in a good way it felt like i was it was it felt like in a in a couple of instances it was like Come on, do the work, catch up. You can fill in this blank. <laughs> particularly when the, um, I don't think this is a spoiler to say, particularly mm-hmm. when the time skips started happening. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was like watching Lost. It was like, oh, come on, fill in the blanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> tell us why there are polar bears on this island. <laughs> you know, you know, haircuts are different. <laughs> okay, yeah, some so- of those are. I didn't realize straight away what was, that they'd happened. I was like, "Oh wait, no wait, that's a character who's got older." <laughs> oh yeah, there yeah. Was, yeah, there were definitely instances where I was like, "Oh, that's our main character." <laughs> oh yeah, because they don't. They, Still looks the same. <laughs> that's one of the areas where they don't like spell everything out. There's not like mm-hmm. ten years later or whatever. You. Yeah, that's actually something that really threw me. Um, I when I first watched the film, I was really kind of drawing. I was like, "Huh, wait, did we did we skip a few years?" Like, yes, we certainly did. <laughs> Um, okay, so we have a plot synopsis. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> I've seen the movie, so I know this is true. Um, Makia is from a clan where all the members stop aging in their mid-teens. Uh, they are called the, um, let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right. It's, it's a weird, really strange word. It begins with an I. Yolf? Yolf? I think is oh. what they're called. Um, I was waiting for someone else to say it out loud. I was, yeah. I was not going to be the first one. No, it sounds really silly, but <laughs> they kind, they yeah, they kind of get around it because it has like a Japanese pronunciation in the movie, so it doesn't sound quite as much of a weird kind of weird. gulp. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> that dude out of Pop Flash. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She is, unfortunately, and she's an orphan, and uh, she's, even though she has, you know, spends peaceful days with her two friends, uh, Layla and Clear, I think is how they pronounced his name in the, um, it, that's how they spell it out in the subtitles in the film screening we ha- we got. She's, even despite having all these people who love and care for her, she still feels very lonely. She feels like she, I wouldn't say fits in with the rest of them, but she feels very isolated. Uh, the yeah, she feels like an outsider. yeah. Uh, the piece of her little oasis home is shattered when the kingdom, the knights from a kingdom of Mizate arrive. Um, they're flying a group of dragons called, let me make sure I get the names right, Ren- uh, Renatos. And they come and they take all the women 
from the clan, kill any, you know, kill everyone else too, because their king is looking for a way to extend his bloodline. You then wants to have marry his son to one of the these strange, you know, long lived women. Uh, Machia is separated from the rest of her people. She um, has a very epic escape on a one of the Renato dragons who goes berserk. And she finds herself alone, her home is destroyed, and she's considering taking her own life when she finds, she hears a small baby crying in the woods. And that is where our story really begins, is when she finds this baby and she makes the choice to take him with her. So there, Thank from, the, from, from there, yeah, little, little human baby, and oh, we'll talk about that scene, because that scene <laughs> still makes my, me, you know, that's a grip my teeth um but but yeah that's that's a relative synopsis at least of the first little bit of the film a lot of the rest were i won't dare spoil for anybody um so i guess would you say now is a good time to kind of just move on to spoilers yeah because we really need to like talk about the movie as a whole and Mm -hmm. i think uh there's no way of doing that doing that without spoiling it for people that's fair Okay. I think it's definitely worth seeing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to pretty much anyone. Yeah, it's very pretty. It's it my, main, my main takeaway from the film. Hey, you know what? PI Works, PA Works makes some pretty, very pretty stuff. Like, if you haven't seen... I mean, what other PA Works stuff have you seen, uh, Chris? I'm sure you've seen a couple. Uh off the top of my head, I can't think. <laughs> they did Angel Beats, uh, Charlotte, um, and as they did Kurumukuro was the most recent one that I saw. Now that has some beautiful backgrounds. I've never seen crazy. any of PA work stuff, but I was familiar with some of the animators and the background stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah, we're kind of not really talking about it, but almost because it's so consistently amazing to look at. Uh, yeah. It's a really striking film. And the anim- okay, the animation, the actual character animation yeah. is unbelievable. I know. Like, we'll, we'll get to when we start talking about specific scenes, but there's like one shot very early on in the film, like literally just around the time of the plot synopsis I was giving, uh, that was just one shot, and it was a wonderful. It was. Oh, oh, I was oh, are we in? Are we in spoiler? Not yet. Past, I just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just giving a little kernel, okay. a little nibble for our non-spoiler people, just to say, go see this movie, go see, you know, go find this one scene, and then come back, and you'll be able to hear us talk about it. But yeah, we're we're officially putting up spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the movie, please go buy a ticket and come back, and we'll we'll and listen to the rest of the episode. Um, as I, yeah, those in the, the early part of this episode, you know, make sure to take a picture of that ticket. If you want a, a signed copy of the movie poster signed by Mario Kata herself. So just go ahead and submit that to contest, contest at animation for adults, but we're, you know, go see the movie, come back. All right. We'll, we'll wait. <laughs> and yes. Okay. If you're all still here, then you're okay with spoilers. So here we go. Um, I guess since we're going to lead off with your discussion, um, what we were just talking about, Dan, your thoughts on the character animation. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the the main draw for this movie, as I was saying, as I teased earlier, uh, 
for me, without knowing anything about the story or the director, really was uh, the animation director, uh, Toshiyuki Inoue. Yep. Who is one of my favorite ever animators. He is, as far as I'm concerned, this guy is like pound for pound as good as any of the like revered nine old Disney guys. Mm-hmm. Well, he's 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 so so good, and he's um uh, he you know he animated a lot on Satoshi Kon movies and he's he's done everything. He's very versatile as well. He's um you know he can work on Miyazaki movies and uh, um uh, you know Mamoru Hosoda movies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he really really excels. I think. Some of his best work was in Satoshi Kon films, mm-hmm. when he has really quite realistic proportions to work with. He can do cartoony stuff and slightly more stylized things, but his understanding of uh, how things move essentially is stunning, and the weight that he gets across when someone is running or just like doing something small, like sitting down on a chair and kind of leaning back or something like that mm-hmm. is amazing. And his stamp is absolutely all over the, uh, the movie, the character designs. Oh yes. Um, and just the way things move and the, cause in, in, in uh, anime production, the animation director actually usually redraws a good 60% of the film in, in making things exactly how they should be. So it's fair to look at the film and basically say his hand is all over it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like in terms of the action and definitely the acting, I think this film is um, kind of stunning. It reminded me a little bit of, there's a Mamoru Oshimu, uh, uh, sorry, Oshi, uh, the guy who did um, Ghost in the Shell. Right, yeah. Uh, what's his name, Chris? Mamoru Oshi. Oshi. Is it Mamoru Oshi? Okay. Yeah. He um, he did a movie called Skycrawlers. Do you guys remember watching that? I <gasps> the one of the ones I haven't seen. Like, I yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a weird movie. It's very small and it's it kind of it sells itself on being. Porco Rosso, like with you know, exciting dog fights in the sky, and it's actually a really weird like little drama. Mm. Um, anyway, um, the character design is kind of similar to the design in that movie, which Toshiyuki Inoue also worked on, and it, it doesn't have the sort of cartoony, telegraphed acting that lots of anime movies tend to do. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with just how mature, genuinely mature, a lot of Macquia was and the depth that they were able to get across in like really small moments or glances. Oh, yeah. Um, from the characters, uh, particularly with the scenes with Macquia and Ariel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kirk, help me, help me out with this, guys, because I'm, I'm, I haven't been able to figure <laughs> yeah. it when it comes to this guy, with this kid. Is this, is it, 
Ariel with an A or an E because none of the subtitles that we had has an E, but then I was looking at everywhere else where it's written, his name is with an A, and when I hear that with A, then I think of uh, long hair, redheaded mermaid. So I'm like, hmm. Do you know, I think it, I, I think it's a case of he is called Ariel, but it's kind of done the Google Translate three times back and forth. Okay, yeah. fair. I mean, because, she did kind of name him on the spot. Yeah. Also, she's like, she just picks up this baby and then finds a farm and then admits that mm-hmm. she has no idea what she's doing. And which is which is basically, sorry to like derail and. Make another branch of the conversation. Okay. It's basically a selfish act. Well, yeah. That she, she does in that moment. Left. She had yeah. nothing left. She well, she had nothing left, but she also stole a baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, hmm, hmm, hmm. There's I'm no reason why she, why she, you know, that she had to doubt the other human in the room who was also alive was not That's completely fair. in control of the situation. That's fair. No, you're you're right. I mean, even though he made it clear he was going to walk out and leave baby to die, not that that would have been a you know, but still at the same time, I'm like the scene that follows after. Even though, like you said, it is a selfish act. I, I agree mm-hmm. with you 100 percent on that. That is for sure. Um, because essentially, up until that point, she is she's 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 depicted as being a solitary figure, like on the outside. She's kind of like spying on her sister and her sister's. Um, Sort of boyfriend. Uh, yeah, I, I sensed a romantic triangle between those three. At least something. I don't know if I sense more of. I don't know if I sense a romantic triangle. More of just like, you know, like uh, just watching other people have fun and just being on the outside of the circle. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah, interesting okay. that you, it's interesting that you say that because who, who do you think? Yeah, sorry. Obviously, she was after the fella. Yeah, but, she was she was crushing on him a little bit, and um, okay, I didn't I, I, I didn't read that. Yeah, so I, much. I only picked up on that the second viewing. Because mm. again, I thought it was again when the first viewing. I thought she was just outside looking in, like, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, mm. she and he are now are you know they're see they seem like they're they're blossoming into a romantic relationship, and then that's when everything goes bad. But yeah, in, in terms of the context, but I really thought like, okay. She just saw him walking outside alone. If she knew him and was just kind of like, oh, okay, he's just, he's just having a midnight stroll, she wouldn't have felt the need to sneak out the window. That, that's, that, I don't know that that's just... Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so we haven't actually, like, said it out loud, but essentially, mm-hmm. just, to, just, just to make it absolutely clear, mm-hmm. what happens is she, she is from this... Uh, particular village is not quite clear if it's a race of people or if they're somehow blessed or whatever yeah she's from she's from a particular group of women who never and men. Age. And men. oh and men yeah. of course yeah who, i wasn't never... sure about that at first because they didn't it took me a while to figure out oh no there are there are men here as well it's to my sister eyes where every, uh, everyone's blonde and pretty with long hair basically and yeah physically teenagers Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to my to my very um, you know uh, fuddy duddy cishet eyes, uh, I wasn't sure who was who was which gender. Um, That's fair. I mean, it, it is kind of like for a little while. 
yeah, you, you pick, like I said, I picked up on it more as on that second viewing, but yeah. Because I genuinely yeah. thought at this, when, at that first scene, when we first see Claire and um, uh, Lilia uh, sort of, you know, frolicking about in the moonlight, mm-hmm. I genuinely thought, oh, wow, this is quite progressive for an anime. <laughs> like, to, you know, it's a little, <laughs> because, because I thought, like, it's a fantasy setting, so maybe that mm-hmm. makes it more acceptable. Mm-hmm. somehow anyway it turns out i was that would have been cool though that i was cool. just you know I'm, <laughs> I'm a fucking fuddy daddy no you're not no i'm not no i'm just you know covering my ass <laughs> 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 um but so yeah. yeah basically what happens is she, she she takes this baby and she starts becoming this baby's mother mm-hmm. with the full knowledge that one day like the weird Homer Simpson joke, she's going to have to live old enough to watch her child die. Yep. She, she does and, that from the get-go. Yeah, and the film is basically about that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time watching the movie, you know, completely cold, to figure out that that was what the movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And once it was clear that was happening, I was like, this is interesting. Now there's, <laughs> now there's like dramatic, uh, you know, um, there's some dramatic fuel in the tank a little bit more than just, oh, you know, I'm sad, I've got to go home, or I've got to, do, you, you know, it, yeah. that is when it kicks off. And it, took, it does take a while to get there. Like, it's a two-hour movie, which is long. It's very long. Um. Uh, so yeah, that was that was when I started like sitting up a little bit and paying attention a lot more. Yeah, there's a yeah. Sorry, go ahead. There's a point where I think where you realise there's only one way this is going to end. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's where this is headed. Like, oh, yeah. But okay. I didn't know what movie I was watching <laughs> for a long time. Still, I was still, you know, because as much as animation is not a genre, and as much as movies can be whatever they want to be. I was like, is this a kid's movie? Is this a, is this a movie where they go that far? Mm-hmm. And um, I was really surprised at some of the things the movie does do. Mm-hmm. Um, some really pretty uh, mature themes, basically, that I felt were, um, let's just say, not for kids. No, no. Because it's, are... rated, it's rated uh, 12 in the UK an island, 12A. Is yeah. it a PG-13? It um, hasn't received a rating yet in the um, over here, so... Uh, oh, okay. I was That's looking, interesting. I was looking for a rating when I was writing my mm-hmm. review originally, and I did not see one, so I'm like, oh! But I can, I can tell you definitely, there are scenes in this movie that are certainly not for kids, one in which being the scene that I went, but I, like I said, to this, even after watching it twice, and I'm even just thinking about it now, it makes me want to just like, it shins shivers down my spine. I think I know what you're going to say. When she's, you know, getting little baby out of dead mother's arms and she literally has to break mm. the corpse's fingers one by one mm. in order to get this baby out of, into her, you know, into her arms. And I'm like, every single time you hear that, just, you hear that crunch of the bones as she's pulling this baby free. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that's oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think terrifying. what you were talking about. 
<laughs> that wasn't the thing that I thought you were talking about either. Oh, Chris, what, what was that? That scene did not affect the effect. Of that. <laughs> I don't know why it affected me so much. I'm sure whatever scene do, you were all thinking about. Do, was still... do you know why the that scene didn't affect me? Um, why? And this is probably more on me. I wasn't 100% clear with what the hell was going on at all. I wasn't sure if that was a dead body. I wasn't sure... It was very much a dead body. Why Someone she was... was... A neck of mother. Right. I wasn't... Maybe... Because I watched it in a brightly lit room. <laughs> so, I'm serious. Maybe I literally didn't see what was happening. And oh. in, a, in a way, that's typical of the film. Because it doesn't bash you over the head with everything no yeah it didn't you know like some other frankly a lesser film might have done that in like a massive close-up and there might have been lots of you know oh that's a bathhouse kind of lines like Mm -hmm. exposition you know character explaining what they were thinking and all the rest of it yeah so um i was i had to like realize what had happened in that scene probably five minutes later <laughs> yeah which yeah is makes me sound like i wasn't paying attention i probably wasn't but no, I mean, it's, it's there was so much happening that mm-hmm. it's really like it's hard to believe that you can you absorb all of that in, in a first in a first viewing so I chris think... i'm i'm curious i want i want to i want to see if our cards <laughs> if, if, we, if, if we're gonna play snap uh, what was the scene that was the one that you thought? Yeah, I'm curious. I want to know if it's the one that I thought. It was the scene with mm. the, the dog. The, the, the dog. Oh. Okay, okay. Burying the dog. Yeah, and, no, okay. And Makia realises that one day, and they say the line that it comes, death comes, basically say death comes to us all. Or so, and but yeah. it just it just comes. The dog lives a life where it comes to them sooner, and then she realizes that um, it will come. Yeah, it's going to have to the aerial, aerial. Yeah. Although bit <laughs> <laughs> you were affected. You were thinking of either. No, no, it wasn't. Well, we'll get we'll get to that for a second. But I will say, okay. No, that was that. I was surprised. Yeah, because that comes. Up, I think that came about forty-five minutes in. Yeah. And when it happened, I was like, oh, this movie is like, you know, usually watching any movie, that's the point at which it's basically saying, look, anything can happen. The dog died. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, this isn't going to be a happy movie. No, no. <laughs> we're, and I will we're say. We're killing a dog before the first hour. Because, okay, I will say, I mean, I do admit, I will cry, cry at the ending of this film for sure. But the only other moment that I really had a lot of like, you know, just really just, you know, really misty eyed was that scene with the dog because only because I could tie it to something very real and very personal in my own life because I have an old boy. I have an old long hair miniature dachshund. He's 16 and he's, he's still, he's still spry. He still has energy, but he does sleep a lot more and um, has to take a lot of medicine because he's got lots of medical problems. So seeing that scene kind of it was kind of mentally triggering me like oh this is what I have to be prepared for at some point and then um yeah I'm I'm already starting to get misty eyed right now I've been just thinking about it oh my goodness sorry 
Sorry, this is not good radio. This is not good podcasting. Um. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. we got to get into tears, Chris. Come on. <laughs> Come on. we got to get the first sob in, in, in AFA history. <laughs> You're close uh, to getting one. I'm guaranteed. I know. I, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was one moment. And it, uh. it, it did make, make me think how... It's kind of ridiculous how in films and stuff, like, um, things can happen to humans all the time and I'm mm-hmm. not affected. And if something happens to an animal, even if it's an animated animal that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. I get upset then. Well, like, yeah. no, not a dog or whatever. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, that's why, you know, the baby boomers, you know, the entire generation of people were completely... Uh, traumatized by Bambi's mom because mm-hmm. some old reason yeller. or old yeller, just, yeah, mm. yeah, um, or um, Fry's dog for my generation. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sorry, Fry's dog, which is actually kind of a similar story to Macria, <laughs> it is, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, that was that was that was a hard hitting scene for me. So, what was the scene you were thinking of, Dan? Okay, well, I'll explain why I wasn't sad about the dog because okay, sure. I didn't really know it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a character; it was a symbol of a character. So, I mean, don't get me wrong; I love dogs, and I would be sad. I mean, I cried watching Marley and Me, but mm. that was because the film. Anyway, the scene that actually it it probably is a little bit juvenile, possibly, and not that shocking but something about the character of Lydia really mm. affected me mm-hmm. and for me the scene that nothing actually happened but it was the scene at which I felt the film was an amazing testament to like just how much of a how much trust uh, uh, the the studio and the finances had in Mario Kada mm-hmm. because I don't I think most other filmmakers probably would have been talked out of this moment but it's the moment where in a kind of botched attempt to kidnap uh, Lydia back from the oppressive uh, you know uh, princess life that she's been forced into Mm -hmm. in the back alley she's facing her um her um oh my god they they use the word you know the the guy the prince who wants to you know who's who's whose baby she's carrying at this point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the moment at which she unties her hair oh right this scene and holds her sharp hairpin to her womb. Yep. Mm-hmm. As a kind of, um, you know, checkmate to make sure that he, him and his guards don't come any closer. She threatens to kill her own and his own unborn child. Oh, yeah, she's confronting the night captain. As like a power play. But... It would be a cheap moment were it not for how long 
you, we hold on her face mm-hmm. and her hair is down and it's messy and she looks so deadly serious yeah like like don't I, test me I found that absolutely chilling and heartbreaking and affecting yeah no you're and I was right it was just, it's a small moment and like I don't know if it I don't you know I don't I don't want to get into like the the stereotypes or anything but I don't know if a film directed by a man would have managed to make that moment what it is that's that's interesting you say that um because uh, the the shot it it, it, that it happens in is like a mm close-up of you know of of her groin and it's i don't know that the the something about the film language just felt very i don't know which was shocking to me in a way that i think the film was meant to be shocking and Mm -hmm. It didn't feel cheap. And for the rest of the film, Lilia's story, I think, was one that affected me most. Well, yeah. Because it's, it's so spiral. sad. It's downward spiral. Like, I mean, she makes And, and, and you know, that's why I think it's kind of Shakespearean, because Shakespeare's all about those downward spirals. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, Lady Macbeth in her, I think. And, um, oh, wow. That's an interesting comparison. Yeah, you're right. Sadness. Yeah, yeah, she really she really goes down there too because she's just it's out of just complete despair. Like we see her so lively, and it's it's, it's interesting. Like from the start of the film, she's so vibrant and alive and just very adventurous. Like she jumps off this like you know this waterfall thing with you know barely even a care in the world mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film, and then when she gets taken into this life, the next time we see her is when they yes they try to they try to save her. And um, she admits that she can't go back because she's now carrying this baby. And mm-hmm. I guess I, it's implied, but I'm not sure if it's really said, at least not until later on, like maybe just like a moment or so after in the film that it's implied that because she's a member of this race who's had a baby with an outsider, mm-hmm. that she can't go back. That she's, com- she's been forced to commit a utter taboo Yes. And now well, she has to live with it. Yeah, so... Th- sorry, Chris. But the other... You, you kind of get the impression that their, you know, their place they came from isn't there anymore because it was completely... They're, they're like the only survivors, so it's, it's not like they'd be going I gotta back say, to... I, I didn't actually get that for a little while. I, that wasn't 100% clear to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that the place was destroyed. Uh... Well, you do well, you see, don't it, on see fire. it happen. Yeah. You see it, like in, in the distance, yeah. looks back, and the whole there's a red hue over the horizon. So it's very much implied that the place was set on fire. Whether or not it was completely destroyed, <laughs> whether or not it was completely destroyed is another thing. I don't know. And it's completely made of thread. So I mean, that's just going to go up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I did actually like that little touch in the movie that they communicate and kind of, um like write like write letters and can actually communicate like letter writing through weaving yeah i like that too uh on on these looms and making these uh these sheets of material yeah and i think as you look more and more into the film or like they try to piece together everything you realize like as i remember that was the big confused part that i had um 
start in the movie. It's like, why are they, why are they spending all this time weaving these things? And I realized Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that basically what they're doing is they're weaving together memories. They're basically chronicling every single day or every, you know, multitude of days in history because even though they're long lived, they can't, I, I guess they can't really retain it for very long. Like I mean, they could, you know, maybe a, a single decade or something, or maybe about a hundred years, they'll still have memories, but then, then the older memories they'll let go of and move on to the new ones. And so as a way of remembering the old ones, they, that's why they weave the cloths communicating mm-hmm. what their previous history mm-hmm. was. Cause I noticed in the, I, watching this, that first scene where she's, uh, Makia is talking with the elder again in the beginning. Um, and the elder is explaining all of these different rules, et cetera. In the beginning, that went over com- that went over my head completely because it was my first time kind of familiarizing my, myself with it. But then having the context of later, you know, watching the film later and how they do communicate through it, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And then listening to her speak again, I think was in the second viewing where I was kind of like, oh, oh, wait, that's what this is. That's what they're doing. Even though they live long lives, they can't seem to, I guess, you know, they that's a lot of things to remember. So they have to be able to let go of it in order to survive. And so that's why they, in order to make sure that they don't forget anything that's come before, they make sure that they, they weave that into a cloth. That's fascinating. I didn't get that at all on the first watch. Neither did I. That's why I'm, that's why I make sure that this is, it's, again, it's did you, a Chris? thing. No, I did not. And that's really interesting. To that's fascinating. Because I, I literally, my, my reaction sometimes when a film presents something like that, a kind of because it's it's a sci-fi fantasy type of thing. Mm-hmm. My reaction when the film presents something like that is to consider it window dressing mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. to really pay attention because I'm I'm interested in, like I said at the start, like why should I give a shit? Why should I care about these? Why we're we following these people? Mm-hmm. Um, so I sort of put it on the back burner and sort of went, well, that's nice animation of people, you know, working at a loom. I've not seen that before uh, quite so brilliantly accurately. But uh, yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's an interesting read because about halfway through the film, uh-huh. a few things happen that... Um, I felt at least implied that the life that Macri was living with the Yulf, how do you, what is the word? I think you've you pronounced it right. I think you pronounced uh, it right. The, the life that she was living was almost akin to that of a cult. Hmm. And when you were saying, you know, they would just sit there all day at these looms documenting, it's like, well, in the classic sort of <laughs> hero's journey sort of model of a story, mm-hmm. she was just sat at home, not living. Yeah. Her life hadn't started yet. Yeah. And she kind of had to get out, you know, mm-hmm. to have a life and have experiences so she could be sad. <laughs> but, so um, she could be happy and sad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm such a, that's such a glass half empty sort of no, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. happened for sure no you're right no there was a lot of joy that she had but yeah i think I, i'd be i'd be very curious if on a second viewing if i felt the same way mm-hmm. but 
now I do feel like there's something kind of creepy about the place that they came from. And I don't think yeah. it's altogether good. No, it's, got a, you... it's got a sort of creepy feeling. All these, all these like very similar looking blonde, fair skinned girls in these white dresses. It feels kind of like folk horror <laughs> sort of well, yeah, imagery I... to me of just like they're in a cult and are they there of their own will? And... Yeah, I mean, we see the negative side of that too in later on in the film when um, when Clear clearly goes off the deep end and uh, is very intent to trying to make things back the way they were when they can't and he doesn't mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's basically, like, the creepiness factor that you're talking about. That's kind of like, like, if you had this, you know, you, if you can go in a positive direction or you can go in a negative direction. He clearly went in the negative direction in terms of not wanting things to move forward in terms of, you know, evolving or just trying to stay in the past as opposed to, like, Makia and uh, Layla uh, moving forward. Because they had these kids, and they was like, "Well, we—they've been keeping me in the present, and I have to change with them in order to be with them." And he's like, "Well, then if I can't have you, no one can." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was also a very dark scene. <laughs> there are lots of those in this movie. But yeah, if you if you're paying way. attention and you're taking it kind of seriously, it's. Got some really, yeah, fundamental fears and, you know, yeah, some tough stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and lots of, like I said, even, and again, you mentioned the fact that a lot of this is, you know, stuff that, you know, you're not sure if it could be the same if it was, wasn't written by a woman, like the scene with um, Leland, her, you know, threatening to stab her wound. And a few others too. Like, again, I will attribute the mm-hmm. scene that I saw earlier of literally having to break baby out of dead woman's fingers. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of those things really got to me. Watching There's something, yeah, and I don't know if this is again like I, I don't think this is too sexist to say. There's something about there's a fierce side of maternity mm-hmm. that comes out sometimes. I think, and yeah, that's a that's an interesting ex- exploration of it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of like Lilia's story is about that. There's a lot of obviously sorrow in it but there's also a lot of fierceness in her wanting to see you know the child that she gave birth to and she's yeah not like allowed. that was literally ripped from her arms and now she's not allowed to see it for like probably what seemed her years on end and she's like and she's literally going mad as a result uh yeah i don't i don't know if i ever felt her going mad i just saw a lot of sorrow yeah and pain and yeah, that I mean, I'm kind of running up now thinking about Lilia because she was, I think, my favorite character, but the one I found the most interesting and yeah. obviously affected me the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like I said, it was a very mature, very mature story that she she had to she went through. So that that doesn't surprise. Yeah, me. yeah, but I guess I, I, I guess like sorry, going back to the whole idea you're talking about of like possession mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a theme in the film there's a kind of um, and Macria herself is guilty of this mm-hmm. when 
when Ariel starts to grow up, mm-hmm. of wanting to lock him into, uh, you know, like freeze him in amber, yeah, and keep him how she remembers him being, mm-hmm. locked in time like a like a perfect memory or a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's definitely in the whole looming thing that they're doing. Exactly. Kind of this like fight to preserve time. But yeah. it's also something that parents are guilty of doing. I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys, but you know, there's a, I, I think particularly for first time parents, there's this, well, there can be uh, a relationship where parents don't want you to grow up or they don't want you to grow up too fast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 do have personal experience with that. I, I even every single I think time a lot I of people do. Stuff, every single time I clear up stuff from childhood. Oh I, yeah, are you are you kidding? Yeah, yeah oh, you can't throw that away. That was your second pair of gloves. That was your. That was what? that was your community dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Basically, and just you know, it's yeah. So I, that that's another point of the film. It's like, oh yeah, I relate to this. It's like that's kind of that's a that's a trait of a that a parent has, especially when you know, parent of a child or a son that is going through adolescence. I was surprised at how far they went with that. Yeah. Like, you know, when you set up something dramatically, you're like, okay, so dramatically I'm setting up these pins so they fall later. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely a way to avoid it. But I thought, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film with that kind of tension. Oh, Oh, is this, are you talking about the scene I think you're talking about? Uh, the sequence of the film where um, Macri is working in a pub mm-hmm. and it's, this, it's the moment in the film at which her age, her apparent age, uh, uh, crosses closest to Ariel's. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's like a lot of sexual tension in there, mm-hmm. which is not comfortable. No. I would. You do consider them as relatives, which they aren't, but they basically are. Yeah. I was. I was. I have to be honest. I was thinking, it's please. It's not going to go there, is it? Please? It's not going to be one I of those. Was too. So was I. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking the exact same thing. Like, please, please, Mari. I, I. I trust you relatively with this. Please don't go there. I was so you, I'm not going to be happy. I was so pleased that it was it was a love story, not about romantic love, and it was about familiar, familiar, yeah, familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt I felt that that and whole tightrope walk, yeah, was probably in terms of screenwriting the most impressive part of the film <laughs> because it was so easy because I felt like thematically it was fully explored, and mm-hmm. yet the bubble didn't burst and they moved on to the next um, natural and logical part of their relationship, mm-hmm. which was them both acknowledging that, frankly, only Ariel had changed mm-hmm. and that there was a sadness to that. But, you know, essentially what the core of their relationship was yeah. And it was, and it's the whole thing of the coin flipping where they knew this moment was coming, 
she definitely did where mm-hmm. she wanted to protect him mm-hmm. and he sort of you know kind of in a cute way that 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 um that boys might you know younger boys might he made a promise to protect her mm-hmm. and i felt like that was the turning point of the film where from this point on he is protecting her mm-hmm. yeah. and he has to fulfill that role and i was yeah really impressed with how that came the story uh propelled from the characters purely mm-hmm. and there wasn't any real plot device going on there other than the other dude coming in uh and kind of uh trying to pull Macri away from their life in the pub right yeah yeah so yeah i mean it's not again like i didn't cry but like Scorsese movies don't make me cry, <laughs> but they are still like massively dramatically satisfying. Yeah, I think your mileage, you know, in terms of how sensitive you are to certain scenes, you know, some some mm-hmm. viewers might get really teary eyed over certain scenes, or at the, especially at the like the end, or 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 you know maybe just a little misty, or not at all. I mean, it really depends again, like what scenes or like scenes of the film really speak to you in a certain way and I like I said the the scene with the old dog really got me because I have an old dog um and again it's that whole you know having to say goodbye to someone that you know very well and care about you know which was the and then kind of getting this like super flashback of like every stage of life of all these memories that they shared that was that was the other point that really got me at the very end after he's already passed on yeah, and uh, that that did work on me because usually, well, not usually, but sometimes when a movie replays itself, mm-hmm. it's a cheap device to yeah, to, yeah. to make you go, "Oh, remember that time when they spilled the ice cream? See, now you you're laughing about it then, but you're but crying it about it now." It wasn't all scenes that we had seen in the film. There were a few, but there were some stuff that we hadn't seen. Like there was one when they were mm-hmm. when they, they were did that. There will be blood. Yeah, and I mean, there's... But, and for a good for a good cause. Sorry. And no, it's okay. Um, but there's literally a scene that I remember. I don't recall seeing the actual part of the film when mm-hmm. you said they were working when she was working at that pub and he was like doing like mining iron, where they're in their little um, home, like apartment or whatever, and he's it's a penthouse. Yeah, a penthouse, and he's strumming he's strumming a musical instrument and singing mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. It's only there for like two seconds. Like I recognize this as a scene that wasn't in the film, but it's still a memory that these two characters clearly have shared through their experience, mm. and that's kind of that's kind of sweet and adorable. <laughs> yeah, um, I I did find that the final scene did work really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought the ending was actually amazing. And there was that line that the um, the Yolf guy. Um, yeah, he's the, he's half. He's he's a, that's why he's a, he's an right. grown man, but he's he still has the yellow hair and eyes. And it's like, yeah, he's he says a line. Um, he says he says it's time in in the subtitles. It was uh, they they he's riding off on a horse and cart. Mm-hmm. She jumps on the back, and he says it's time to meet the next person. You have to leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that line. I love that line. I wrote it down because I was like, <laughs> "Me too." Oh man, that's a that's a pretty good. I mean, uh, 
you know, uh, summary of life, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also why you don't necessarily need to be sad when you leave people or, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to apologize for leaving people, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, for, or for the natural partings and meetings in life. It's, it's um, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I got to say that's just good writing. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just, it's amazing, like, what stuff I've been able to, like I said, second viewing has really given me an opportunity to see a lot more things I didn't originally see. Yeah, what were the surprises that, like, were there many surprises where you're like, oh, wow, that, that's really jumped out of me. The second well, time. I think it was the, actually the part, one of the things it was with that, um, the, the guy, I don't think we ever got a name, uh, an official name for him. Um, when he shows up a second time and he explains what he is, and literally just the scene before that, we had the um, scene with um, Lilia and she, where she, you know, she had the needle pointed at her womb and everything. And I only realized after seeing him and finding out that he was half, half um, Yolf or whatever, um, that he's actually, because he, he, she's never, Maki had never seen him before. And one of the reasons why is that he can only really wander the world and trade with them but not really live with them because he's because he's half and meaning he's exiled and that kind of implies back to what what's going on with Lilia and the fact that why she says she can't go back why she can't live the same life with Clear Mm -hmm. everyone else like she could because now she's pregnant with a child that also could be you know part of their race but not also be able to fit in that was really are so racist, basically. <laughs> well, they, are, look, like... they are. I, I definitely. Oh, I wrote something down that it's a little bit. Um, it's a little bit. Uh, yeah, in the second half, it sort of starts asking the question of whether it's a bit too culty, and yeah. there's a, and um, there's all there's a sense of like, well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they are racist, and um, you know, everyone sort of. Uh, there was a line where someone said something like, uh, "Working together to weave one cloth." That was clear. He was. Uh, that was basically when he was talking to Machia later in the film. Basically, he was mm-hmm. really upset that both uh, Lelia and Machia had been living such different lives from him. Yeah, a lot happier, a lot less suffering. And he's like, "Okay, one way or another, we're all going to be back on the same page again. We're all going to share the same experiences again, no matter See? what." See, I think that's that, creepy. That device, that trope, is in Hot Fuzz, and it's definitely a moment for me where you hear, "Let's do everything for the greater good." The greater and good. Like, yeah, and you're like, "Oh wait, hang on, that's not necessarily a positive thing." No. Like it's it's a little bit culty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I definitely see probably more so now. Um, that 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 kind of comparison yeah it is but like, but but again like that's part of the movie expecting you to work sh- stuff out mm-hmm. and it doesn't open with any kind of value judgment on the your f- way of life it's just like very plainly presenting this is who they are and this is who we're following it doesn't tip its hand either way into well, this is a bad thing or this is an amazing thing or this these people are doing good they're not doing good they're just they just are. They're just being. They're just not mm-hmm. what they're 
but they're not being in the way that we would consider being. No, and I think that's probably why I felt a little bit like it was a bit like a video game because things mm-hmm. were so plain. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this just like, are they just doing a checklist of like, well, this was in the game, so we need to set this up and we need to set that up. <laughs> um, I mean, the other thing that um, unfortunately felt a little bit like a game to me at some points was, yeah. and Chris, you kind of teased this earlier, <laughs> is the 10 times copied from a JRPG idea of European styles of things. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Um, and also a little bit of the music. The music was slightly synthy in a way that it just felt like a Final Fantasy game if you <laughs> too many times for me. <laughs> Not in a good way, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of... That was why it felt like a video game to me, because it was like, okay, you've not... And look, don't get me wrong, they might well have done their research and all the rest of it, but something about the mishmash of, uh, we'll take this sort of Norwegian thing here and we'll sort of mash it into this German thing here, and it's like, guys... Like we know you do that, but you know, I, I guess you just got to take that with a pinch of salt. And I'm willing to do that. I like the movie enough mm. that I can, but I feel like that is kind of there. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so you can go. No, no. I really, I want to hear this. Uh, uh, what do you think about the um, basically the? there's the human cultures in it because you don't really find out that much about them like the um like the king and everything you just get oh he's bad because he's capturing the people to marry them off to his son but you don't and then there's like a there's like an invasion of another country and you don't you don't know anything about that you don't know who the other people are you just Mm -hmm. know that there's a big action sequence basically and that is it is, you know, the um, the climax is really well done and everything. There's a big, big war going on, and there's a baby being born at the same time, and they're cross cutting between the two, and it's yes, and that's great. But you don't you don't really have any investment apart from Ariel's there, and you maybe don't want him to die. <laughs> but otherwise, you don't really mm. know who the people are on either side or why you should care. <laughs> I think the film doesn't really give a shit if you care or not and I think <laughs> no I'm, I'm serious I think I, I, this is why it's quite a unique film really I, I, I think it doesn't care and in a, in a way I mean like I was I, in a way the same thing happens in House Moving Castle mm-hmm. it just sort of sets up like, you know there's a war here look there's a parade like it plants that like 20 minutes into the film so you're like okay well, I think there's a war and then you sort of forget about it and then for the climax, you know, he needs a big, you know, the, there needs to be, like you said, like a big, exciting action scene in House of Castle. It just does the same thing. It's like, oh, and there's a war now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but who's who and why, why is there a war? It's like, it doesn't really matter. There just is a war because it's about the characters. And I think, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, Chris, to be watching those scenes and just thinking about Ariel. Mm. 
I, I mean, I was definitely thinking, let's get back to the birth because that's kind of, I'm invested in that a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you didn't want to have that scene. You didn't want them to go the the route where, like, oh, Ariel dies in the battle as his baby's being born because that would just be too. <laughs> I was worried. That'd be awful. I was worried it was going to go that way, and I was also worried that it was going to be um, because they didn't shy away from the pain of childbirth in mm. unglamorous circumstances. I think. Um, it's the first time that I've ever seen waters break in animation. So that, yeah, might, be yeah. a, that might be a first. Um, uh, I was worried that uh, Ariel's wife was going to not survive the. Uh, I was that scared me too. Like I was childbirth because like, it's it seemed like when she like I think it was the one part where she was screaming at Machia and when mm-hmm. she was labor like save the baby like just save the baby. Like it, it, that sounded like something a mother would say if she's not going to survive the childbirth. I'm like, oh no, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to have another dead mother on our hands and just having to repeat this whole cycle all over again. Yeah, I was wondering at that point exactly if it was going to be a case of like Macria and um, Ariel sort of raising the baby together for some weird reason or if he was going to raise the baby himself and it mm. was going to be a weird sort of story about her teaching him how to be a parent kind of yeah but i think that would have that would have fallen really flat and i think that's why it's it's so good that the movie did take the direction that it did that the, the birth went through just fine mother and mm-hmm. baby are safe ariel survived the whole big fight and you know, injured but he's okay um and then just you know, Machia just leaves them with. I like. I really like. I like the moment though that again, like the film dramatically explores things which would naturally arise, mm-hmm. um, and doesn't shy away from them. It explores the jealousy that Ariel's new wife has mm-hmm. towards Machia because, of course, it didn't click for me until that exact moment. Who it, she, who it was? Exactly. Yeah, that's that she was girl. that she was the same little girl who lived with them on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, back when he was a kid, and um, the film sort of explored. Yeah, I, I thought that was nice to give her that little moment where she was like, they explored mm-hmm. her fears, and it wasn't just a straightforward uh, postcard scene of a mother you know, red in the face after giving birth. She she went and told him her deepest fear and, mm-hmm. you know, essentially that he didn't love her enough. Mm. Um, I thought that was interesting. It was. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely not decisions that someone who wants to make a commercial success would make. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, like, I said, like I said before, it's a testament to... Um, not just Okada, but also her bosses, that they let her do it. Yeah, yeah, for, for a directorial debut. <laughs> that they let her make this movie in that, in that way. I'm glad that Makia did not end up looking after that baby. because, as, Because as we know from earlier in the film, she doesn't know how boobs work. 
Uh, oh my God. I was waiting for someone to bring up that line. I absolutely, <laughs> as stupid as it is, as it sounds, I adore that line because I just, I love the lead up to the scene where um, the, 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 the farming lady like finds her, like she's got a pitchfork. She's ready to like attack anyone who's like, who's going into the barn and messing with her goats. And then she just sees Machia holding little baby up to a big goat on her head. She's just looking very distraught. It's like, I don't know how boobs or others work. See, this I, is, you, that was kind of funny, but I gotta admit, at that point in the film, yeah. I wasn't entirely on board still. Yeah. And I was reacting in a visceral way to just how pathetic she was. Yeah. <laughs> I was not, I was not so much angry with the character as I was with the depiction because mm-hmm. I felt at that point in the film, it was only about half an hour in, I think. Yeah. I wasn't entirely on board and I was like, oh, this is such like typical anime voice acting. Yeah. And she's just playing the weird, pathetic, fumbling girl. And I'm like, am I meant to find this endearing or cute? That yeah, that we've seen a million times before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't, I don't know what that's about. And maybe on a second viewing, I'd like to find out what it is and whether it really is an honest depiction of her not knowing what's going on. But a a little bit of me was just like... I think it's a combination of both, to be honest, because I think the idea of the fact that she comes from a race of people who all look like teenagers and she herself is very young by comparison. She She even says, like, at that point in the film, like, I'm only 15... So, and she's, all she's ever done is weave cloths her entire life. She's never had to milk goats. She's never had to do any, or take, even take care of a baby before. It's just, again, pointing out like, okay, she took this baby in order to give herself a reason to live, but now she has this baby and she doesn't know what to do and even attempting right. to do so. She's just like, hey, do you know how to do this better? Cause I ain't got any clue. <laughs> I might be in over my head here. I think I think you're right then. Maybe it was the fashion in which it was done. Something right. about her character. Delivery. It might have been the delivery too. Because I mean, like you said, that yeah. it was something about the delivery that triggered you more than so much of the actual behavior of the character. Yeah, it was the way she did it, not necessarily what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the, what she was doing, I just... That that just that one shot of her just holding and you see the little babies just trying like how does this work? Like that that shot I found was even, you know, just out of context even was hilarious, but just Yeah. Yeah, it might have been it might have been just how the delivery was handled. Yeah, there's not many jokes in the film to be honest, but no. that, that did amuse me, I have to say. <laughs> so. so I have a I have a I have a kind of requirement about films that are not comedies okay and it's i can only ever explain it in terms of like if a thing is directed with a degree of wit then it it doesn't have to inject a joke every 10 minutes for me to be interested Mm -hmm. and i think and I, i can't tell if it was you know on the director or you know, Mario Kart was the director or Mario Kart was the writer or the animators themselves hmm. or you know, the animators who storyboarded the film as well. Uh, but I felt that the film was 
active enough dramatically that I didn't need jokes to make it interesting. Mm. And that it wasn't, enti- it wasn't needlessly bleak. No, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I can't say, you know, the goofiness of the king, even though the animation was gorgeous and I <laughs> loved the way he moved. I, I don't think that really worked on me. I didn't ever find that amusing in any way. <laughs> Uh, I was okay with how it's basically a kind of tragedy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, tragedy of life. Yeah, maybe in a similar way to... Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm just making this comparison because it's an anime movie, a Japanese film. Mm-hmm. But Princess Kaguya. Oh, okay. From yeah, the start right. of the film, you know, from the start of the film, it tells you, like, she's going to have to go back to the moon and this isn't going to be a happy one. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it's a happy film for, like, 50 minutes. And then yeah. and then it starts going south again. It's like, hey, remember, remember that promise I made earlier? Yeah, well, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. go bad again. <laughs> yeah, but still, there, there's moments of levity. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily jokes, but they're nice moments that kind of break up the tension and the tragedy just long enough to... I wouldn't say lower the boom, but just kind of make it feel less tiring. Yeah, and I don't, but I, but I don't think those are necessarily cheap devices to stop you from getting up to get popcorn, mm-hmm. as the film sort of makes its point at the end very well. Like life is ups and downs, and it's ups as well as downs, and the ups are not cheap. No. Uh, cheap moments. They're meaningful connections that the characters make with each other Mm -hmm. yeah and and i did want to um also if we can get back to the animation side of things a little bit um because i know uh i wasn't too surprised to see some uh computer generated animation in this film i know majority of it is uh that was my least favorite part yeah I, i i will i will agree with you there it's like um I couldn't help but notice when they clearly wanted to try and do the computer-generated animation with the dragons. And on a whole, I would say it's generally not used very often. It's only really basically ever used when those with the dragons are on screen, the Renatos are on screen. But there was mm-hmm. one shot, I think it was during the, the first parade where they're trying to rescue Le- uh, Lilia. And um, there's one shot, you know, uh, they're riding uh, one of the dragons in like a procession and you see it moving and I'm looking at it, I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I know everything else in this movie looks wonderful. The backgrounds are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The character animation is fantastic, as you said, but my God, that does not look good at all. (laughs) It didn't, it didn't look like it was making contact. It didn't look like it was making contact with the ground. No. Like when it stepped, it didn't have... I mean, I, this is a really common uh, criticism of animation that's not very good, but it didn't have the right weight. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel heavy at all. No, it, it didn't. Just felt, it felt like, like you said, like a CG element plonked on the background. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder it's, it's, a shame. it's a shame, I think, because moments that are less than stellar like that I think seem far worse than they are because everything around it Mm-hmm. is so casually brilliant the whole time. Yeah, like like you said, we were talking about the backgrounds and the character animation was wonderful, and that's just like this big And the lighting as well. The, the lighting is very 
Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's very, there's something kind of stately about it. It's not. It's not um, overly stylized, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously stylized to an extent, but uh, it's quite a realistic, kind of grounded. Uh, looking film I think mm-hmm. I mean maybe not you know the scenes that are Final Fantasy I mean the stuff that's like in the pub in the big industrial city with the big yeah. wheels that do something probably oh yeah that was an amazing location as well the, mm-hmm. that was yeah was the, the industrial city yeah which seems kind of out of place with a lot of the other stuff in the film where it's like all castles and everything, and suddenly there's a there's a factory and stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, that was the Final Fantasy sort of mm. JRPG. Oh, I thought you said like, the the uh, the tower the or the place where they had all the 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 Yorf, living. Uh, I thought that was the Final Fantasy thing you were referring to. I think all of it is a little bit because <laughs> I mean there are lots of Final Fantasies and they go in lots of different directions. But... And to be fair, one of the character designers was a Final Fantasy veteran, so I guess it's you can't help but get away from that. Do you know what that that that's fine then? Because it's uh, because uh, you know it would be different if it was badly done, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So, so there, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Oh, one thing I remember. Um... I did want to make this one aside really quick, but then there was something that you guys referred to before we, went, we started talking about spoilers that I really want to get your opinion on. Um, but I did want to make one mention this the scene where the uh, CG dragon was not as terrible as almost every other scene that it has was definitely CG dragon. Um, mm-hmm. Was I, th- I wasn't sure if it was a completely CG or not, but it was the scene, it was the one shot scene I was talking about earlier where um, I think I know the one you mean. Mormaki is encountering the one dragon that just falls through inside that the tower she was mm-hmm. locked into, and it starts chasing her around the room. And the camera is moving, and it's yeah. behind her, and she's at the front of the camera, mm-hmm. and it's the camera is moving backwards as it chases her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I love that shot, and I guess I think that's the one scene, at least where you have. Like I was like, I have to look up, look, go back and look at it again. But I feel like I wasn't sure if the dragon in that shot was, to, you know, drawn or. Um, Let me see if I can find it. Do you know what? I have a feeling that it is drawn. Okay. And I, I also have an even stronger feeling that it might be animated by the, uh, by Toshiki Inari himself. Mm-hmm. Because it looks very similar to. Oh God! There was a. There was a short animation program mm-hmm. uh, to train animators that happened probably about three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And there was this short, I don't know if you ever saw it, Rachel or Chris, about a woman who shrinks and her boyfriend thinks oh, she's Oh, no, popular. I didn't see that. No, it, it, was that. One of the, it was one of the uh, Animator Expo shorts. And we, it was, yeah. We watched a bunch of those and talked about them. Yeah, there was the little. Yeah. Did we talk about it? We 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 um we there was that time when the animator expo shorts were online for a, a brief window, and we watched right. a bunch and discussed them. And that was one of the most memorable right. ones for sure. Okay, no I'm way. Okay. That, I'm looking at that scene again, and yeah, you're right. That's actually not CG. That is definitely a drawn dragon. And the, and the reason I mentioned that short is because there was a shot that's very similar to that oh. in the short that was animated by Toshi you know, 
so I don't know if uh, you know he probably went. Oh, I've done something like this before. I know how to do it. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. He's <laughs> 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 <Piece> a <of> piss. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, this is definitely a movie to pour. I mean, like as a animation nut, it's going to be one to pour over and obsess over. It's funny you mentioned that you thought it was CG though, because I think Inoue is very obsessed with volume and keeping things solid. Mm-hmm. In a way that can almost look CG. I know definitely when I watched um, uh, at Annecy, mm-hmm. I watched um, what the hell is that movie? A Letter to Momo mm-hmm. um, with some friends of mine, and I knew going in like a lot of the animators. I was a real, still am, real animation nerd, and um, <laughs> I could see Toshiyuki Inoue had also animated a lot of the movie we came out and I was talking to my friends and they were like, what's some of that CG? And I was like, nope, that was just solid stuff. Like that's, you know, they're that obsessive and uh, precise that sometimes it can look like CG or cell shaded CG at least. Um, but it's not. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these earlier scenes again with this dragon and I'm realizing a lot more of them must have been uh, 2D, you know, drawn animated, you know, hand-drawn animation than I originally thought. I mean, I think there's this one shot just as the dragon crashes in that looks looks like it could be, but then yeah, just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, now I'm just, I'm watching this just as one scene over and over again. Like, I'm just discovering more and more the more I watch. I'm like, my God, you're right, Dan. <laughs> yeah, there's amazing, I just you know, I, I that was why that was part of my enjoyment. You know, the early parts of the film when I was not massively invested i was like well this isn't a great movie but at least i'm getting some toshiki and i animation like yeah. you know the just subtle things like people running or it looks nothing like the way other people do it he's got a very sort of um particular idea of how things should move mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which sure. is which is exciting and i don't think he would have had that kind of freedom had Mario Carter been an animator, director. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, in a way, like, uh, you know, makes her similar to someone like Takahata, who is someone who understands perfectly how movies work and how things are put together, but himself, so he doesn't draw, but he puts a lot of trust in people who are much better at uh you know who are who are amazing at their jobs basically that's really cool okay so to um i yeah that's that's yes oh man i mean i thought i'm gonna have to watch this movie again guys i know i get won't have access to the screener <laughs> anymore but I'm just like man i gotta watch it again already um but in regards to something that was said earlier that I did want to kind of go back to, I wasn't sure if we already touched on a little bit in our discussion already, was the kind of, uh, was the world that Machia inhabits. I know you said a couple, a bit of it gets Final Fantasy-ish, and we have a lot of really mm-hmm. interesting locales. Um, and you've, I believe you guys used a uh, term the fact that it's like a fusion between like European 
both European and Japanese kind of like what's what's the word you that you guys use? It was like um architecture or like just the environment in general seems like a blend of these two very different <laughs> well it's more japanese uh, like interpretation of okay europe rather than yeah. Jap japanese at all okay I don't think. I, uh, yeah it's 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 weird because it's hard to like it's i always i always get uncomfortable with this conversation because oh okay I feel like if a European director had uh, done a similar kind of tone-deaf mashup of Asian elements, they would mm. be dragged for it. Mm. In a slightly similar way, I feel you need to... This is a difficult conversation to have because I think, frankly, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and it's not an exact science. I think Miyazaki in particular has a has it down somehow. Mm -hmm. He's he's figured out how to not piss everyone off <laughs> <laughs> with his depictions of Europe. I feel like it's very clear from the offset. It's a fantasy, but there are enough very well researched elements. I feel yeah, like, like Carlson Skyler just based it on Wales. And then he, exactly, and he did and a research he, trip. To Wales. delivery service. They just went oh, like Sweden or whatever. They just you know they... Sweden, but with bits of San Francisco. And <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 not an exact science. And I'm not saying that I'm getting pissed off in the way that, um, you know, uh, for instance, people did about Ghost in the Shell. Right. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, or I don't know. Maybe anyway. The, the, the you you get what I'm saying. The okay. thing the the thing um, I think that's interesting about it for me is that the filmmaking is very Japanese, mm. and it's interesting seeing the things that obviously interest Japanese. Uh, directors, I think. It, I, this is like a very weird conversation to have because I'm generalizing a lot and I'm talking about things that are typical. Okay. But I feel like um, there are sorts of uh, shots that focus on process and on food um, and home life in a way that's very typical of Japanese cinema mm. that is in this movie that I don't know would have the same shots if it was made by Europeans. Okay. I'm a, I'm basically just talking bollocks. So <laughs> you know you can you can take something from that if you want or you can pop it in the bin. I just I was just I was just really curious when you mentioned it before because I wasn't sure because I mean I'm like as we were talking about this to the different locations of this movie before I really like the look of everything and yeah, I feel I, I feel like okay. Basically, I feel like the the distinction for me is why is this being done? Mm. And if the answer is because it looks cool, I think it's a lot harder to just pull it off. Right. And if it's being done for a reason, for instance, I feel like uh, maybe a okay a movie like Steam Boy, 
Okay, yeah. Um, knows why it's interested in the period it is. And it's very well researched in the, not just a specific time, but a specific city in a specific country um, in a loving way. And I feel like maybe Macria sometimes just does what's interesting because it looks cool in the way a Final Fantasy game might do it. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, we're almost a little all going on two hours now talking about this movie. So I wasn't sure if there were any other scenes or any other moments or, or aspects of the film that we wanted to draw attention to before we start to wrap things up. Well, I think it's interesting the way, like, earlier on, when we were talking, we we all thought of different, like, a different scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, we each had a different um, scene that affected us or whatever, or, mm-hmm. and uh, that came to mind. And I think it's really interesting that that's that we didn't all just like go after the same scene or whatever. Yeah, that's a that's mm. a good point. I think that's definitely a testament to how carefully handed Okada is, not just as a screenwriter but also as a director. There's not the Let's say the film doesn't um, bash you over the head with emotions. No. <laughs> it lets you find them. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like you can just turn it on halfway through and do the thing of ask yourself, is this a sad scene? Is this a happy scene? Mm. It's not as clear cut as that. Um, and that's why I think it's a really interesting film. Mm-hmm. And for in that way, it does remind me of Nalco. Uh, Yamada's um, films. Uh, A Silent Voice, I think, is her best known mm-hmm. film. Obviously, you know, her masterpiece is the Kaon movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, but. Um, Jeff Biscuits. Jeff, yes. Jeff yeah. Biscuits. The, the, um, the way in which the film is just presenting things and it's not necessarily telling you this person is good, this person is bad, this person is doing evil, This, you know, you should feel sad now, you should feel happy now. It's, it's very uh, mature and measured uh, storytelling, which I, I appreciate, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I do too. Particularly, particularly in animation as well, when... about the differences between Japanese and so-called Western animation, uh, I think it would be a lot harder to argue for or to make a film that is so... um, I don't mean this as a a negative thing. Kind of plain in the way it presents Mm. emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think... I think maybe if this film were made, in Europe or America, it would be a little bit more colourful and obvious about... Very flashy. Flashy and and kind of, you know, workshop to death in the way that, you know, you could feel a bunch of people sitting around going, hmm, is this seems sad enough? Is this mm-hmm. really coming across? And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's more measured than that. Gotcha. Yeah, it's... Uh... 
It's I think I like this film. I, I know. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> it's very similar to exactly my first viewing of this movie. It's like, do I like this movie? Yeah. You know what? I've been thinking about it often enough since I finished watching it. It's been stewing enough. Like, yeah, I think I actually really like this movie. I can't say it's my favorite anime film, you know, film or even anime film at this point. But it's definitely one of those films that I definitely be up for watching again and or maybe mm-hmm. even getting on DVD if it becomes available as such. Um, and just, you know, if I'm in, if I'm in the mood or just want to like just geek, again, just geek out over the uh, character animation because I love character animation. Um, just just pop it on and just sit down with some popcorn. But it's yeah, it's, it's definitely a film that I would say if you have opportunity to see it in theaters, if you haven't already seen it please go out and do so. Cause I just, it, I think they're not, like I said, not a very flashy film in terms of animation spectacle, other than like the real subtle bits of animation that, you know, that worry, you know, the film has in it, but just, yeah, please go support this film in theaters if you can, if you haven't already. Um, okay. So I guess that, that's about a wrap for today. Uh, thank you guys, all of our loyal listeners. And even if you're a newcomer, Thank you so much for coming and listening to this whole episode. I hope you enjoyed the film Maki if you haven't already seen if you've already seen it. If not, then and you just already spoiled yourself on a great deal of stuff, then get give yourself maybe a day to digest. Yeah, doink. Just, what are you talking about for? Yeah, ding dong. Um just go right go go get buy a movie ticket. You can get a nice poster out of it if you send us a ticket a ticket picture. Um yeah, uh hope you enjoyed today's episode of the AFA podcast. If you wanna keep up to date with what's going on on the website. Just, you know, we'll leave the link if you're coming at us from uh, out of, uh, off of the website, not on the website, on any of our other podcast avenues, which is podcast.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Uh, We'll make sure to have a link to the actual website, animationforadults.com, where you keep keep up to date with the latest animation news, reviews, and just general animation talk of stuff that we love, whether it's old, new, or just, just, Japanese, European, you know, all over. We love talking about everything animation. So just go and check out our latest articles there. If you want to continue to support our podcast and our website, please visit our Patreon page or our uh, Ko-fi website and uh, give us a donation. It supports everything that we do and we really super appreciate it. I also want to make a mention to the a very beloved anime, uh, animation screening event that takes place in New York that we're all very fond of, Animation Nights New York, uh, curated by the lovely Yvonne, who has uh, been a regular on the podcast. Uh, please, we'll leave a link in the, for the website in the show notes so you can visit that, check it out if you have, you've already seen it yet. And if you're going to be in the New York area, please go check out their screenings. They are free. And what else? In terms of social media, if you want to follow us, if you like what you hear, you've been here on this podcast or the website, you want to follow us on social media regularly. We are on Facebook, Twitter, at AFA blog. We are on Pinterest, as well as Tumblr and Instagram. If you want to follow us individually on social media, we're going to go around and we're going to give you our uh, preferred social media channels. Chris, where can we find you? Mr. Chris Store on Twitter. All right. Very good. Dan? I am Hamu on Twitter. Don't at me. <laughs> okay, and if you would like to find me, I'm primarily on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. Once again, thank you so much to Eleven Arts for giving us the chance to watch this movie early. 
please, as I said earlier in the, you know, just a few minutes ago, support this movie, please. It is a, it's the fact that we can get animation, you know, anime films like this with really that doesn't have any, uh, you know, anime series or like big following, you know, at all, getting a limited screening here in the U.S. is, at least compared to several years ago, was really unheard of. It, it, it tells you how conditioned I am to expect some kind of tie-in that I watched the movie for 20 minutes thinking it was a video game adaptation. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only oh. way something so interesting could exist. I know, and it's, it's, it's the fact that it can exist and be brought over to, you know, into the UK for a limited screening or into the US. Sorry, Rachel, I can hear Chris jumping up and down with his hand in the air. Oh, oh what, what, yeah, yes. <laughs> if you like the movie, uh, there has just come out, uh, they've just translated in English, Mari Okada's autobiography. Oh! And I, I think, Brilliant. I think there, this film is supposed to be sort of based on some of her real-life relationships and stuff. So, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick that up because I did do a lot of, you know, like little bits of research into yes. the movie. Yes. And apparently her relationship with her mom was not great. Oh. Apparently once her mom came at her with a knife. <gasps> Ooh. What? That, that puts this film into some context. And wow. she used to play truant all the time. And she used to be a, 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 a shut-in, apparently. A teenage shut-in. To I think she's an interesting person. So, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely going to pick that up and um, probably even, you know, go back to her older work. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, re-exploring because I know I saw, I saw Anohana, but there's definitely a bunch of um, other for, uh, other projects she's worked on. Um, I, gosh, what was I had a list of them. Um Aroha, and I think she'd actually worked on a Gundam series as well. I think it was Blood mm-hmm. Orphans or something. I think I'll have to go back. We'll we'll leave. Um, I'll when we put up this episode, I'll make sure to leave a uh, list of some of the stuff that she's worked on. So if you haven't already checked it out, you'll know that this is something you know. You if you wanted and you want to check it out, by all means, you know, look it up. Look up the show. I guess I think most everything that she's worked on is accessible either via streaming or some kind of. Uh, some, some sometimes some kind of distribution has it. It exists in the world. It exists <laughs> in the world, and a lot of people can get access to it if they look if they know the right place to look. So, um, and yet, uh, where can the uh, bi- the biography, like Chris, that what you mentioned, where um, where was where can you get that? Do you know where? They should just be to pick it up All from bookstores. Okay, gotcha. Very good. So we'll make sure all those pertinent links we'll leave in the show notes for everybody. And once again, thank you so much. We're going we're gonna to take a leave now, and we're just going to come back to you in the next episode of the AFA Podcast at a later date. Take care. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> are bringing the other side of the world closer to home with daily flights from London Stansted. Starting the 8th of June, you'll be able to fly from London Stansted all the way to Dubai and on to over 150 destinations worldwide, making getting from your home to the other side of the world much simpler. Fly Emirates from London Stansted and discover the other side of the world.